0: So it's it's nice to see everybody here, and uh, good morning to everybody. And uh, I know a lot of you here, but uh, if you've never met me before, my name is Nianiko, and um, I have been uh, living at a since two thousand one. So, uh, and I've spent seven years of that in Thailand, and so. Uh, Pacific Hermitage is considered a branch monastery of Abayagiri. So I come up here from time to time. I visit Pacific Hermitage, visit this group. And I've uh, yeah, known known a number of you, known, known uh, many people here for a long time, some of you for a shorter period of time. And so it's just, it's always nice to come up here and to reconnect. And uh, we can spend the day practicing together. So uh, some of you may be here for a shorter period or a, some of you may be here for the, the whole day and to just uh, share ideas and, and practice together. One thing that was coming up in my mind during the uh, five precepts, and I'll just talk briefly about the five precepts, and then it'll be nice to do at least a little bit of meditation before I take my meal and I assume some of you will, at least some of you will eat at this time. Some people have very specific times that they eat, so they can't really eat at this time. Some people eat it. You know, oh, I always eat specifically at two thirty PM, or I always eat specifically at one forty-five PM. So sometimes there are specific times, but uh, we have to eat specifically <laughs> before noon. <laughs> so uh, we'll eat. Uh, I think at eleven there will be the meal offering, and uh, but just the five precepts. Just a little bit about those precepts and why we take the refuges and the precepts, the three refuges and the five precepts. And in the suttas, the compiled teachings of the Buddha and the Anagutra Nikaya, the Buddha calls this the eight great gifts. The three refuges and the five precepts together are considered the eight great gifts. So um, refuge in Buddha, Dhamma Sangha, those are three great gifts. Those are great gifts to ourselves because we, we consider those as if we can think of them as internal refuges, then the, Internal refuge of Buddha is the refuge. We can always go back to that sense of awareness, mindfulness, and awareness. So the inner Buddha is just awareness or um, unbiased consciousness. So that's we can always. That's always a place of safety that we can come back to. So that's refuge in Buddha. That's that's a gift to ourselves. Refuge in Dhamma is refuge in truth. So uh, always being very open. Always a, a sense of openness and a sense of willingness to uh, adapt and adjust ourselves based on based on truth and always being open to setting aside our own biases in order to see truth more clearly and so that's refuge in dhamma refuge in sangha as an internal refuge is refuge in virtue that we can always rely on our virtue to keep us safe so refuge is a place of safety so those are the three gifts to ourselves The uh, five precepts are considered great gifts, not just to ourselves, but also to others. And the Buddha talks about this in a very, very basic way that's very obvious once he talks about it. And that's if you don't intentionally kill living beings, then you are free of any suffering that might occur uh, based on killing living beings so any suffering you might experience based on you killing a living being that you would you might experience any gr- regret you might experience then you won't experience that and then you offer fearlessness to all living beings by by not any anybody who meets you knows that you don't have that you have the precept to not kill so so that you won't they won't be in danger from from you in that sense not stealing you you Free yourself of any dukkha, of any suffering associated with stealing, that you might have to hide your actions, or you might uh, try to run from the authorities or whatever, that you save yourself from that. And then you offer fearlessness to all beings because they know they don't have to be overly protective of their possessions when they're around you. They know you're not going to steal. So sexual misconduct, I don't even need to go into detail about that, how much suffering that causes, how much suffering and agony and even wars that that can cause. And um, then there's a lying, like you don't, you free yourself of the suffering that you might undergo. If you tell a lie, you have to, well, what did I tell this one person? What did I tell that other person? And there's all sorts of mental agony that you'll have to undergo based on telling lies and not being honest. And then towards others, they know you're a honest, upright person. So you offer fearlessness to others. People know you're trustworthy. And you develop that reputation of being trustworthy, taking of intoxicants. Um, the Buddha singled out alcohol but uh, we we extend that to all uh, um, drugs that would um, take away our sense of take away our sense of ha- being in a normal state and so uh, then uh, when we don't take intoxicants, this is this fifth precept is not a karmic precept in that we're not actually creating, bad bad karma by saying by say taking intoxicants but we're creating the causes for all other four precepts to get broken based on a lack of mindfulness so the Buddha called the he said the fifth precept is to refrain from the taking of intoxicants which are the basis for heedlessness so uh, so that uh, takes away a whole bunch of suffering for ourselves and others so that's that's these very basic reasons why we would undertake these precepts uh, according to the Buddha. And for people who might just be trying them out, you can try them out for a period of time and see how, see how it goes. And um, I recently heard that uh, um, there was a teacher recommending to live totally not on the precepts for a year and see how that goes. But I thought, well, I I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to recommend Rather than that, like to see the suffering of that and then take the precepts, maybe try taking the precepts for a year and see how that goes, and then decide if you want to keep keeping them. <laughs> Don't go too crazy. So, uh, so with that, it's a it's a good reflection that those are the eight great gifts. so we we actually see that taking of precepts and the holding of virtue as a form of generosity, a very high form of generosity that where we're actually cultivating ourselves as a form of generosity. And it's a great gift to ourselves and a great gift to the world and something we can directly give to ourselves and others. Whereas with other things we might be doing in our lives where we're trying to help the world, it may not be so apparent that it's helping. And so these are things we can do directly to train ourselves that does have benefit for ourselves and others. So with that, it, might be nice to meditate for about half an hour before we before I take the meal and uh, when we when we start a day of meditation, then uh, one thing is to set the motivation. So for those of you who will not just be here now but also will be here through the afternoon practicing, then to set the motivation. And one of the things I like to do with starting a day of meditation is just to remind myself that why am I meditating and I'm meditating to develop a sense of ease and well-being. So I'm not meditating to get some amazing state or to be really hard on myself because I can't get the jhanas or I can't get into some totally amazing enlightened state where there's, you know, lights and, you know, devas, angels coming down and blessing us and, just to be have a sense of ease and well-being. And when we develop that motivation of having a sense of ease and well-being, then we also can develop that sense of just being very non-judgmental, non-critical of ourselves and others just for this this time period. That'll help us to develop a sense of ease and well-being. And within that space of just having a motivation for ease and well-being, then we can. We're giving the mind space just to settle a little bit. You know, of course, a day long retreat isn't really enough time for the mind to settle a lot. We'll need a longer retreat for that—a week long or longer, ten days. But for a day long retreat, it is at least nice to get the mind to settle a little bit. And uh, Ajahn Kurnadamo, myself, and Ajahn Sudiro just co-led a the Thanksgiving retreat, our annual, annual Thanksgiving retreat. Uh, where we go to a Dhamma Center outside of Abayagiri. We did it at a place called Applegate Retreat Center on Highway 50 out towards Yosemite this year, and um, seven-day retreat. And then you have a and a which people can write questions on pieces of paper and put them in a bowl, and then once a day we would answer questions. And uh, there was an interesting progression throughout the in that the first couple of days – Almost all the questions were about people's lives. Uh, this is how my work is going. Do you have any advice? This is how things are going with my kids. Do you have any advice? This is how things are going with my parents. Do you have any advice? So, or this is just how things generally are in my life. Do you have any advice? So, first couple of days, get that sense that the mind is starting to settle, but people are taking stock of their lives in that first couple of days of retreat. Uh, days three, four, five, it's more about uh, this is happening in my meditation. What do I do? This is how I'm feeling during the meditation. How? how what does that mean? This is what I'm experiencing during the, during the meditation. So people are getting more into the meditation. Days three, four, five. And then days six and seven, this was just a week-long retreat. Days six and seven, people are asking, how do I take this into my daily life? What do I what do I do after the retreat? So there was this very clear arc of the retreat and a very clear theme to the questions. So just a day long retreat, we can be. It can be expected that as as our mind, as we as we try to settle our minds, then we're going to be thinking about our lives, taking stock of our lives, what's happening in our lives, and just to know that that's that's something that can happen when we're just doing a a day long retreat, and to not, uh, you know. There, it's not expected that we'll be, make some giant change in our lives today just on a day-long retreat, but it's more to foster a sense of encouragement and inspiration to keep our practice going. So we go to these day-long retreats. It's kind of like getting a shot in the arm for a, to just keep ourselves going in the practice, and we, it's something we can take away. We can we can reflect on it, and we can be thinking about it. This is the quality of Dhamma Vichaya when we're actually just thinking and considering Dhamma as much as possible in our lives. This is one of the seven factors of enlightenment the Buddha talks about, is thinking about Dhamma often. So he never says not thinking is a factor of enlightenment, but he does say thinking in line with Dhamma is a factor of enlightenment. And so we do need to um, consider things in terms of Dhamma and consider it according to how our lives are going. So just to do a, about 25 minutes of, of silent meditation and whatever techniques you've learned before, maybe can just experiment with that and I might talk about more tips and uh, tricks of, of the trade uh, in, the, in the afternoon.